Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Thrive Church, a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. That's 10 o'clock. Alive. With Manny doing what he did. I mean, you've got to love Manny's smile. Manny will be on auction after this service. Manny, we love your smile. Uh, I, felt like I, was in, I felt like I was in kid zone having the time of my life, didn't you? You feel like you're getting ice broken by a kid zone leader. That's what, what was going on. Manny, we love, we love your smile. We love your heart. We love your spirit. If Manny can't put you in the mood for Christmas, then I don't know what can, hey? But it's good to be together, isn't it? And uh, how many of you are prepared and ready to hear God's word as it pertains to us? Amen. We didn't come to church out of a sense of obligation or a sense of tradition even. We, we came because actually we believe heaven can touch us. Amen. Uh, speaking of celebrations and just celebrating many and just I love his smile so much. Some of you have been asking about Pastor Steve. So just to let you know how he's doing. He's recovering immensely well. Uh, it's been uh, almost four weeks since his operation. He's doing so, so well. He's got to be a little bit careful about being around too many people still as his, uh, as his wound and his scar heals, but he's doing so, so well. So um, that's cause for celebration. Carol's next week is going to be cause for celebration, and uh, we're trusting that God's going to do something amazing, and uh, we really, really are believing for a, a, a Christmas season like, like never before. How many of you need Christmas at the moment? Like, like just you need some joy. And so our, our series that we're entering into, as, as Manny mentioned, this is Advent. This season in the church calendar, it's called Advent. It's a season where Advent means arrival. We think about the arrival of Jesus. We slow our lives down a little bit. We think about what it means for Jesus to have come. So come, 10 o'clock, would you stand to your feet with me? Come, let's pray. Let's take a moment to prepare our hearts. Uh, sometimes our hearts need to just be prepared because we've had a whole week and now God wants to speak. And we just want to take a moment to say, Lord, here we are. Here we are. We will need you to speak to us. Come church, could you place one hand on your heart? One hand to heaven. You know, our posture is important. Our posture in every aspect of life is important. But our posture as we get ready to receive the word of God is our posture as we worship. It's important. And when we lift our hands to heaven, you know, the psalmists, uh, whether it's David or the other psalmists, remind us that we can lift hands to heaven. And there's a reason why we do that. It's actually because we're saying, God, we, we want to touch heaven. Lord, we, we want a little bit of heaven to touch our lives. God, we are here this morning, thankful and grateful for all that you've done in our lives. Here we are, we prepare our hearts. We just take a moment to be still. We take a moment to put the week behind us. We take a moment to ask you, as our hands are to heaven, in a posture of worship, in a posture of adoration, in a, in a posture of reaching heavenward. So we lift our hands to heaven, Lord, we lift our hearts to heaven, we lift our minds heavenward. We ask Jesus that you'd speak to us, that your word would come and be present to us. You know, church, the wonder of Christmas is that Jesus came, that heaven invaded earth. 
Today I'm believing, I really want to speak this prophetically over every person online and in the room today that heaven can invade earth. Church, would you lift your face this morning and ask the, the Lord of heaven to invade earth. We didn't come out of ritual, we didn't come out of tradition, we came because there is a God in heaven who loves us, who desires to speak to us, who desires to communicate with us, a God who invaded heaven through Jesus and in so doing, set a model, set a precedent, set in place a way of doing things that heaven can invade earth. That's why Jesus said, pray, may your kingdom come. So Father, here we are, we need your kingdom in our lives. We prepare our hearts to receive your word. We ask you for the wisdom to not only be doers or hearers of your word, but doers. We thank you that you love to speak to us. And today, wherever we are, wherever we've been, however this week has been, thank you that you're going to speak. Flood this place with joy. Flood our hearts with joy. In Jesus' name. Everybody in this 10 o'clock said, amen, amen. amen. Look around, give somebody a Bluetooth high five and uh, tell them how's it, and then you can have your seats. There's an asteroid, you'll see a picture of it on the screen, it has a weird name, this asteroid's name is 16 Psyche. Sounds like something from a horror movie, doesn't it? It's like this asteroid is gonna invade Earth and aliens are gonna pop out of it or something along those lines. <laughs> this asteroid is made out of iron and nickel. And the reason why I tell you that is because this asteroid is entirely made up of iron and nickel. It's the same substance as the core of the earth. The reason why that's important is because iron and nickel is exceedingly valuable. And when you take the weight of this asteroid and you consider that it's entirely made up of iron and nickel, you realize that you're looking at one very valuable asteroid. Let me give you an indication of just how valuable it is. The, the combined value of the world's wealth is 74 trillion US dollars. This little baby is worth something quite different to that. This 16 Psyche asteroid is worth 10 quintillion dollars. That is one with 31 zeros behind it. So the world's wealth together is worth 74 trillion. That's 74 with 12 zeros behind it. This bad boy has got a one with 31 zeros behind it. The point of me telling you about how valuable this thing is, is that something can have value, and yet you've got to ask yourself the question whether it's really worth that, because at the end of the day, that thing can be so valuable, but nobody could give you what it's worth. No, nobody's gonna be able to buy it from you. So you could possess something of immense value and it could be worthless to you. Are you with me? It begs the question therefore, I mean if that thing ultimately, it's so valuable theoretically yet it has no practical value to you and me at all. The question then becomes what's really valuable in this world? What is worth something? What's what, what in this world is of paramount value? What's got the greatest value? Now, if we look around in our lives, you and I might say, well, immediately maybe our kids, our husbands, our wives, our spouses, our family, our friends. Some of you might say the community around you, the church community around you. I think many of us would say all of those things, but also we would add, if we really discern what's valuable in our lives, we would say time. 
Today I want to suggest to you that there might be something even more valuable than all of those things, even more valuable than time, because you and I can have lots of time, but the quality of our time can be poor. And so it's not that we have a lot of time, it's that is the time good or bad? I want to suggest to you that perhaps the thing of immense value that our world so desperately wants, that everybody wants and yet seems so scarce and seems so rare, it seems so unreachable and it seems so difficult to grasp a hold of, I want to suggest to you that that is a little three-letter word called joy. Joy. You see, time's not valuable unless it's filled with joy. I'd rather have five minutes of joy than an eternity of misery. Are you with me? Joy. A series during this Advent season, we've called it Joy to Your World. What we mean by that is, may there be joy in your world, may you find joy in your world, but also may you bring joy to your world. See, because we're not a navel-gazing church, we're not a church that looks at our lives only and goes, it's all about me, it's, it's, it's a, the kingdom of God can come in me so the kingdom of God can come through me. And as we enter into this Christmas season, it's not simply about us, is it? It's about the joy that you and I can bring to our world. It's about how many people we're inviting to carols next week so that they can experience the joy in the house of the Lord. And if you think we're done with that song, yes, we're not done with that song. We're actually gonna dance later to that song. You'll be with me just now. Right now you're looking at me a little bit strange. But it's okay. It's okay, it's okay. We're gonna preach on joy and then you're gonna find joy landing in your heart and then you're also gonna to wanna to dance because I know what happened at the first service. And clothes came off and Oaks started dancing. <laughs> joy. It's a priceless commodity more valuable than that asteroid. Can we live with joy? Maybe that's the question on your mind today is, or, or lack of to preach about it, but can, like, is it possible to live with joy? In Joburg, in the 21st century, while we're busy building ox, we've had so much rain, <laughs> with the potholes, <laughs> and load shedding, can we have joy? What's the fourth wave and what's this new thing called? This new variant? Omicron. Omicron. <laughs> Sounds like something out of an alien movie. Can we have joy? <laughs> With Cyril calling a family meeting, can we have joy? It's a valid question. Let's start at the beginning. Very good place to start. Theologically, where's the beginning? It's theologically. Let me start by saying, all theology is, is the study of God. Theologos. Theologos, study of God. Start at the beginning. God is joyful. And he made you and I to be like him. Joyful. Let me say this to us. God is the most joyful being in the universe. Genesis chapter one. God creates everything. What does he say after he's literally created each and everything that he creates? He says, and God saw that it was good. God was filled with joy 
at what he had created. Let me make a statement for you. If you're taking notes, this would be a good one, or take a picture of it. God is literally filled with joy, and he created us to experience the same joy he does. Maybe you have a picture of God, depending upon your upbringing. Uh, maybe you're thinking of God as angry, or maybe you've thought of God or been brought up to think of God as distant. Maybe you think of God as strict, you know, he's a little bit string. Maybe you think God's a little bit cramped. You know, God, God's waiting to keep a record of your wrongs so he can just somersault you. God is joyful. God is the most joyful being in the universe. Dallas Willard, he's an author and a theologian, thinker. He wrote this. He tells the story of his time in South Africa. He said, while I was teaching in South Africa some time ago, a young man took me out to see the beaches near his home in Port Elizabeth. Anybody love PE? The friendly city, the windy city, the city where everything's 15 minutes away. You know, if you've been to PE or if anybody's been to PE, they go, everything's just what? It's just 15 minutes away. He says, I was totally unprepared for the experience. I had seen beaches before, or so I thought, but when we came over the rise where the sea and land opened to us, listen to his language, I stood in stunned silence and then slowly walked toward the waves. Words cannot capture the view that confronted me. I saw space and light and texture and color and power that hardly seemed of this earth. Gradually, here's the thing, gradually there crept into my mind the realization that God sees this all the time. He sees it, experiences it, knows it from every possible view, this and billions of other scenes like it and unlike it. In this and billions of other worlds, great tidal waves of joy must constantly wash through his being. Undoubtedly, God is the most joyful, the most joyous being in the universe. God, we serve a God of joy who created us to experience joy and to know joy because he knows joy. Are you tracking with me? Now, sometimes we can look at something and not be sure what we're looking at. I wanna put a, put a picture on the screen of a weird and wonderful looking animal. If you look at this thing, you may say to yourself, I have no idea what that is. If anybody knows what that is, we'll give 10 of Manny's hampers to anybody who knows what that thing is, if you can name it right now. <laughs> the reason I make this point is we can look at something and have no idea what we're looking at. That, in fact, is a South American animal called a capybara. A capybara. It's like a giant rat on legs that lives in marshlands. It gets hunted by jaguars and wild cats and all sorts of things. It's weird, isn't it? The, the point of the story is you can look at something. We can look at something and not know what we're looking at. We can look at joy in Scripture. We can see that it's written about. We can see that it's spoken about. I can make a statement that God is the most joyful being in the universe, and we can still not know what joy actually is. So today, let me offer us a working definition uh, if you're taking notes today, I hope this will be helpful to you, and then we'll dive into it and find out where joy is located. Are you all still tracking with me? 10 o'clock. 
Number one, well, let me give you the definition. John Piper gave a very useful definition. He said this, biblical joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. Biblical joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. I'll read it one more time to anchor us in this definition and then we'll work through it. Biblical joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. First thing that definition offers us is that joy is a good feeling in the soul. It's a good feeling, meaning it's an emotion. Joy is not a thought. Joy is not an intellectual proposition. It's not a, even a decision. Let me debunk the myth for us today. Joy is not a decision. I hear people saying things, joy is a decision. You've got to decide to be joyful. I want to say to you that I think that's wrong. I don't think that's biblical or scriptural. I think joy is um, manufactured in heaven and deposited into the human heart and the human soul. Joy is not, no, joy is not made at home. Joy is not made proudly in South Africa. It's, it's made in heaven and it's imported. Joy is a good feeling, meaning it's an emotion. Here's the, here's the key of what I'm saying to us today. Joy is not an intellectual thought full proposition, nor is it a decision. Joy is an emotion. Let's grab hold of that thought and that concept first. Joy is an emotion. Emotions happen to us, don't they? You don't decide on your emotions. They hit you, and then you try and think them through. Picture going camping. You're out in the middle of the Kruger Park. You're in a little two-man tent. It's a beautiful, clear night sky. The stars are out. You have a lacquer bonfire finish your marshmallows, you're brying your marshmallows, and once you've finished them and you've licked them off the stick and you've brushed your teeth in the bush, you're off to bed, and at three o'clock in the morning, you wake up to the sound of this roar. The minute you hear the roar, you know exactly what that roar is because you've heard it uh, several times in your life, uh, sometimes physically and sometimes you've heard it like, like just in audio books and things. You just know it's a lion's roar. It's a big male lion's roar. You quickly sneak to the front of your two-man tent and you open the flap quickly just a little bit so you can look out and you see five meters away from you the biggest male lion you've ever seen in your life and he looks straight at you and he gives another one of those roars. How many of you would agree that in that moment what we don't do is we don't go, it's a lovely clear night sky. The moon is out, therefore the light is sufficient for me to see this beautiful specimen of a male lion in front of me. What a magnificent mane he has. What wonderful teeth he has. We don't do that. What do we do? We go, Yenna! Right? Because what happens to us? Fear happens to us. It's an emotion. It happens to us. We don't think about our emotions. They come to us. 
So when he says joy is an inner feeling, an emotion, it comes to us. It's manufactured externally and imported internally. Are you tracking with me? And it's in our inner world. It's not in a... Now, it may manifest itself in your body like you may dance later. You, you may take off your jacket later like One Oak did in this first service. If you fall in love, you may have butterflies in your stomach. You may, you may have sweaty palms when you hold your girlfriend's hand for the first time in the movies. Anybody remember that? Your first movie. Mine was The Air Up There. Remember the t those basketball dudes? The Air, no, it's lost on you. Moving <laughs> <Living> over here. <laughs> the point is it manifests in our bodies, hey? But it's located here. Butterflies in our stomach, sweaty palms, those are all physical manifestations. But joy doesn't happen in our body. It happens here. Yeah, it happens inside. It's produced by the Holy Spirit. That's what I mean by it's, it's manufactured in heaven and imported into the human soul. How do I know that? Galatians 5, to 23 reminds us that the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy. Peace. In other words, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of those things. But it's, 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 it's grown by the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In other words, grown by heaven. Yes, I thought, joy is grown by heaven and deposited into your soul. And it causes us to see the beauty and the glory of Jesus. Where do we see the beauty and the glory of Jesus? We see it predominantly in two places in life. If you want to experience joy in your life, you can look no further than the Word of God because when, when you see Jesus in the Word, it can bring forth joy in your life. We see Him in the Word and we see Him in the world. We look at a sunset. We, we look at something magnificent in nature. We look at our children. We look at, at, a, at a newborn baby. We look at a, a parent who's just given birth and the joy on their face. The all, look all around you. The world is not simply filled with difficulty, but it is filled with magnificent, joyful sights and sounds. And when you and I look at it and when we see that, we, joy rises up within us, manufactured in heaven, deposited into the human soul. Now, speaking of locations, because joy comes to us, where, where can we go to find joy? We can find it in God's word, we can find it in the world, but the scripture tells us that there are certain locations that if you simply go there, you'll find joy. Joy, joy is located in like a Dropbox. You can go and download it. It's manufactured in heaven. It's in the cloud. <laughs> and you can get it down there. Thank you very much. There's a few locations of joy. Ready for them? Firstly, joy is found in the kingdom of God. How do we know? Romans 14, verse 17. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In other words, the kingdom of God is described as a place of joy. The kingdom of God is here and now, and it's eternal. 
The kingdom of God is far off and it's immediate. Some of you might wonder, what is the kingdom of God and how do I access the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is a place of joy. The kingdom of God is simply anywhere where God's will and God's ways take place. It's anywhere where Jesus' teachings are heard and apply it. The kingdom of God finds its way to heaven anytime a Christ follower like you and me decides to act like the kingdom acts. Therefore, think about the joy of being forgiven. When you go and you confess yourself to somebody and you ask them for forgiveness and they forgive you, what happens? There's a, there's a release of joy. There's a relief. There's like a... Think about the joy that happens when you finally forgive somebody. Not only when we're the recipient of joy, but when we, when we for, grant forgiveness. When we share the gospel with somebody, when we, when we invite them into a relationship with Jesus. When, think about the joy that happens when you bring the kingdom, if you give somebody a Nutrigo pack. You see, we overcomplicate it and over-spiritualize it. The kingdom of God happens simply every time you and I perform an act of kindness where we serve the poor, where we love those who are less fortunate, where we have a conversation with somebody who's forgotten or with somebody who, who may never have been heard in their lives. That's the kingdom of God. It's when we give financially, like in vision offering, as we give to see the kingdom move forward, as we give to see classrooms being built for kids so that more kids can move towards Jesus, so that more bread ovens can be built, so that more entrepreneurs in under-resourced areas can start to create livings for themselves. When we see shine continuing to move forward, when we see churches being being rebuilt. That's when the kingdom comes, and there's joy in that. If you want more joy in your life, it's not complicated. Simply begin to live more for the kingdom of heaven and less for the kingdom of me. And just begin to bring it wherever you can. It's given every time we decide to be generous and not selfish. It's given every time we decide to forgive and not hold a grudge. It's given every time we decide to have compassion and not harden our hearts. I hope this is making sense to you. Are you being helped this morning? Joy is located firstly in the kingdom of God. Secondly, joy is found in trials. Sorry, before I go there, I've got to show you this. Joy in the kingdom of God. I saw this firsthand last week. I was at Pastor Chris Matabula's church, Hope Restoration Ministries. What an amazing community of people. There's this guy who was standing next to me in worship. Uh, Actually not standing. He was dancing next to me in worship. Service one, service two, service three. This gentleman danced. And he danced for all he was worth. You know when it says that David danced before the Lord and he said, I'll become even more undignified than this? This guy danced. I said to Pastor Chris afterwards, hey, how often does this guy do that? He goes, every single service from January to December. He doesn't miss church. Can I get some amens? He doesn't miss church and he doesn't miss the service. It's not like he pulls in for the eight and then goes, he comes to the 7.30. That's the first service. And then he comes to the nine o'clock. And then he comes to the 11 o'clock. And he dances. So I couldn't contain myself anymore. By the third service, I thought, I've got to get this guy on camera. You want to see him? Have a look. Check it out. Thanks, guys. It's the guy in the white jacket. He's just warming up. Your clothes are coming off. Watch ya. 
<laughs> How cool is that? You might sit there and go, yeah, 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 that's an African thing, that's a black thing. It's not a black thing, that's a Jesus thing. It's a joy thing. Hey? You might go, yo, yo, that's, that's an extrovert thing. I'm an introvert. It's not an extrovert thing. It's a joy thing. It's a Jesus thing. Joy is found in the kingdom of God. He loves being in the house. Secondly, joy is found in trials. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 4. This is the apostle Paul talking to the church in Corinth, and he says this, his second letter to them. He says, I have spoken to you with great frankness. I take great pride in you. I'm greatly encouraged. In all our troubles, my what? In all our troubles, my what? My joy knows what? No bounds. Here's the equation. In troubles, limitless joy. I think I've told this story once before, but I'll repeat it because it illustrates the point. A couple of months ago, Pastor Donovan was uh, been to the clinic, got a vaccine, and on his way out, he said he was just walking through the parking lot, and joy baptized him from the top of his head to the tips of his toes. Or more accurately, the Holy Spirit baptized him with joy, filled him with joy. You see what I'm saying? That joy is, is made in heaven and imported into the human heart. He didn't conjure up joy. He didn't make a decision to be joyful. He got zapped with joy. And in our trials, we can ask God for joy. You don't have to walk through difficult times with your head down and feeling like a beaten dog we can walk through trials like people who believe in Psalm 23. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. And if God is the most joyful being in the universe, then it follows that the most joyful being in the universe walks next to us in our trials. And in a moment, he can reach over and put his hand on your shoulder and flood your soul with joy just like he did for Pastor Donovan in the midst of terminal cancer. You see, joy does not depend on our external circumstance. It doesn't depend on whether you're employed or not. It doesn't depend on whether you're healthy or not. It doesn't depend upon whether things are going right in your life or not. It doesn't depend upon the potholes in the road or the, the floods that come. It doesn't depend on the external. That's the point of what I'm saying today. And you can't conjure it up for yourself. You can't decide it for yourself. You need to import it from heaven for your life. And the way you do that is you ask him for it. It's grown inside of us as the Lord places it, as the Spirit of God floods our hearts, floods our lives, he begins to grow it. Is this making sense to anybody? You being helped today? Give me an amen if you are. Thirdly, joy is found in the Lord in Jesus as Lord, particularly. Paul writes, the Apostle Paul, he writes, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. He didn't say rejoice in Jesus always. He says rejoice in the Lord. 
In other words, there's a joy, there's a rejoicing that comes from having a Lord. Our culture doesn't like to have Lords. We don't like to have Lords. We like to be self-sufficient, independent. I'll row my own boat. I'll do with my money what I want. I'll do with my life what I want. I'll change careers when I want. I'll have kids when I want. I'll buy the new car when I want. We, we, we are independent, individualistic society, aren't we? And so the concept of Lord can rub us up the wrong way at times. I think the big problem with so much of Christianity is many people want Jesus as a savior, you'll get me to heaven, but they don't want him as a Lord on earth. And I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. He's either got your whole life or he's got none of your life. And there's joy in having him as Lord. There's joy, here's the thing, in handing over your life to him. I remember when I was, uh, I think about 10 or 11, we had a felt across the road from us. And um, I went into the park there, into the felt, and I, I, I made a, a, a lacquer sling, a good proper sling. Not a catty, not, not one of these little pansy catties, not like that. A proper sling, nice long leather thing with a pouch at the end. And I put a stone about this size in. And then I swung this thing and thought, let's see what happens. Me and my friend Dean. And we swung this thing and I let it go like this. And it traveled 50 yards straight into the kitchen window of the lady who lived across the road from us. I'll never forget the sound. Bah, like that, you hear it? We looked at each other. He ran to his house, I ran to my house. And we went undercover, bro. We went like for two days, we went undercover. We didn't poke our heads out of our property because I'm sure they were on the hunt. And then we thought maybe the cops are coming as well and you know. But I'll never forget, you know, I held on to that for days and I struggled so much because I, I knew, I felt guilty. I knew I needed to own up to this thing but I, I didn't have the courage. Eventually, a couple of days later, I came to my parents and I confessed my sin. <laughs> and I said to them, the lady across the road, there's a, a reason why your kitchen window is broken is because of my sling and I, ca and I came clean. And in that moment, the weight lifted off my shoulders. That's what happens when we hand over authority. We go, I said to my parents, you're the parents, it's your problem now. <laughs> you decide, punish me, do whatever you wanna do, but like it's your, it's your deal. Because I, I handed over the weight, I handed over the weight of authority. I, I was no longer deciding to be master of my own destiny. Are you with me? That's what happens when Jesus when we make him as, as Lord. There's joy in that, it's, there's a lightness that comes into our soul. What, what's the area that you need to hand over today? Lastly, joy is found in front of us, not around us. Hebrews 12 verse two, the writer of Hebrews says this. He says, Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice the wording, church, I've underlined it for you, I've kept it in bold. For the joy set before him. This is exceedingly important. There's a location, there's a destination for joy. It's in front of us. It's not around us. And it's not behind us. Sometimes what can happen is we spend our whole lives 
looking back, wondering why we've got no joy, because we're looking back at the regrets, we're looking back at the, the mess-ups and the hang-ups in our lives. Do you know that the rear-view mirror in your car, on average, is 66 times smaller than the windshield, than the, than the windscreen? The reason for that is you're supposed to look back a lot less than what you're supposed to look in front. There's supposed to be a bigger vision in front of you than there is behind you. And so joy is set before him. Doesn't say for the joy is set behind him, nor does it say for the joy set around him. You know, what happens so, so often in our lives is we look to the left and we see somebody who's got something we don't have and we go, I wish I had that, I would have joy. And we look to the right and we say, I wish so-and-so's in the Maldives and I wish I was there. Now here I am slogging in my office and they're on the beach with a pina colada and a Speedo on and uh. The problem is we look around us for joy. The problem is, you know, when you look around, you, you know, have you ever watched Wimbledon when they take a, a shot of the spectators and they show the spectators' necks as they move from side to side, they go like this. <laughs> this is what we like. We're looking left to right. We're like, we're like Wimbledon spectators looking left and looking right for joy. And eventually it gives you a sore neck. But the thing is, if it gives you a sore neck, can you imagine what it's doing to your soul? We got spiritual rubberneck syndrome. You know, that's how we live in Gauteng. There's an accident on the road. Everybody slows down. Even though it's no longer blocking the, the, the lane, the traffic's slow. Why? Because we're all rubbernecking. We're going, what's going on What's going on? Hey? It's a problem. We, got, we get spiritual rubberneck syndrome. We go, look at that oak. Look at that chick. Joy is set before him, in front of him. In other words, keep your eyes fixed on him. There's an effect of joy. There's, there's, there's something that joy does in our lives that's exceedingly important. It's the reason why so many people are frick tired at this time of year. Nehemiah 8 verse 10, it says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. In other words, joy from God, the joy of the Lord. Did you notice the joy of the Lord? Not the joy decision, not the, not the, the decision to be joyful, not the joy thought, not the joy that you conjured up. The joy of is what? Your strength. Joy equals strength. The devil knows that if he can get you to give away your joy, then you can lose your strength. And if you lose your strength, he can take everything else from you. The starting point is joy. Next week in carols, um, the message is called how to keep your joy. So scripture actually tells us that no man can take your joy from you. Jesus actually said, no man can take your joy from you. So the, the question then becomes, well, what does take our joy from us? And how do we keep our joy? So it's the Carol's message. Uh, I think it's something that so many of us need to hear, but it's so many of our family and friends need, need to hear. So next week, Carol's happening. Sunday morning, 8 and 10. And Sunday evening in Boxburg, 5 p.m. 
Have you got your carols tickets? Have you bought 50 each? For your neighbors, for your friends, for your family, and their dogs and cats, and their children. We decided to do carols in the services this year. Just think it's gonna be, a, it's gonna be an amazing, an amazing time. If you haven't got your carols tickets, today's the day. You cannot delay. It's gonna fill up. It's gonna be chockers. Please do not leave without getting your carols tickets. You can get them online. You can get them at the info desk. It's gonna be a spectacular time together as we celebrate Christmas. And I know that President Cyril is watching at the moment. This is going on YouTube. I therefore wanna go out and say, they're not gonna lock us down. We're gonna have carols because we need Christmas. Amen. And so don't be the muhu that misses out on Christmas. Christmas day goes up. Carol's is, we got, oh man, it's just gonna be, you know how that video, just like that clip that we played, that just kind of like it settles. Carol's is the time in our community's life. And so many of your family and friends, come on, they need Christmas. So let's do the things. Let's pack the place out. Eight, 10, and five, they're gonna fill up really, really, they're filling up really, really quickly now. So make sure you get your stuff before then. Anyway, I digress, you're distracting me. Team, you can join me up here. Thank you. Shall we stand, church? I like a recap, because I'm a guy and I can only focus for short periods of time. Any men in the house want to show solidarity with me? Thank you. What are we saying today? Joy is possibly the most valuable thing on this planet. It's so rare and yet so sought after. Start at the beginning. God is the most joyful being in the entire universe. And he created you and he created me for joy. What is joy? Joy is not a decision. Joy is not an intellectual proposition or an intellectual concept. Joy is an emotion. It wells up within us, but it's not created in us. It's made in heaven, imported into the human soul by the Holy Spirit, produced by the Holy Spirit, grown by the Holy Spirit in your life and in my life. It's located in the kingdom of God. Anytime we put the teachings of Jesus into practice, joy will hit you. Not only is it located in the kingdom of God, it is located in the trials that you and I work through in life. Paul says that severe trials actually resulted, he could find joy in that. Again, why? Because it's not located, it's not conjured up, it's not produced by us, it's produced in heaven, made in heaven, imported into the human soul. And so joy is found in the kingdom of God. Joy is found in our trials and our difficulties. Joy is found whenever Jesus is made Lord. And joy is found ahead of us, not to the left of us, not to the right of us. You'll never find joy if you embark on spiritual rubbernecking, looking left, looking right, and looking behind at your regrets, looking behind at the things that you've blown it with. Joy is located ahead of you. Why? Because Jesus said there was a glory that awaited him. And so he was able to endure whatever the cross brought because he knew there was the joy of being with his Father. And joy produces strength in our lives. That's why that man, going back to him, the guy who was dancing, that guy had strength. Listen, three services, dancers, all of them. I'm not just talking about physical strength. The man had spiritual strength. 
get emotional strength. <laughs> Why? Because we have joy. So come on, thrive. Let's lift our hands to heaven. Let's lift our hearts to heaven. You know, it's powerful. You know why I lift my hands in worship? Because when I lift my hands in worship, I lift my eyes to the heavens. Not only when I lift my eyes to the heaven, I lift my heart to heaven. And we can begin to ask God, the manufacturer of joy, the original joy experiencer and the one who gives joy to fill our hearts with joy. So come right now. Let's not be people who go into a Christmas season half dead from the year. We can be different. It doesn't have to be that way. We can be people who say, hey God, here I am. Joy is made in heaven. Fill my life. Also, we are not Catholic. You don't need a priest to pray for you. Hey, you can pray for yourself. So come on. You can pray in tongues, you can pray in your heavenly language, you can pray in English, you can pray in Afrikaans, you can pray in Zulu, you can pray in Sutu, you can pray in Portuguese, you can pray in Lebanese, you can pray in Chinese, you can whatever. You can just pray, God, give us joy. And then we're gonna sing. And, 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 and we're, not, we're not gonna sing like, there's joy in the house of the Lord. We're gonna take clothes off in this place. Some of you have just been waiting for an invitation for that. As long as you've got one layer on, it was, uh, uh, I'm happy. No Speedos and no undies. Because then there won't be joy, there'll be... Father, give us joy this morning. Flood this place. Holy Spirit, come. Let your Spirit flood us. We're people who believe in the supernatural touch of God on our lives in our lives. God, the joy giver, the one who is filled with joy, come and put joy into our hearts and into our lives. May this Christmas season, as we celebrate carols, as we celebrate Christmas, may it be the best season ever. May it be the joyful season in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody who is ready to sing and worship God, in Jesus' name, said, amen. We hope you have been blessed and helped by this message. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.thrivechurch.co.za.